Warning, a listener named Dave65 Flat Earth NASA Lies MAGA couldn't handle the facts we presented and was frightened by our use of the word fuck. Disevidentia is an inability to reliably process evidence, and this is a podcast all about it. This episode was released in the last week of February 2021, and we are discussing Disevidentia because it is clear that millions of magats are suffering from it. I am Mako. And I am Squeaky. And we are software developers, which means we investigate a ton of evidence because these computer things never work correctly. You can support us by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash disevidentia. If you already donated your money to help frozen people in Texas, you can like, subscribe, and leave a review to help us out. Check out our sponsors at disevidentia.com on our support page. NiceHash lets you mine cryptocurrency on your own computer easily. See the link in the show notes or our support page. And today we are going to discuss the deaths caused by COVID vaccines, shell reaching peak oil, the death of Rush Limbaugh, and ancient astronauts. But first, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant about evidence. There is no algorithm for truth, and I don't mean to reference the insightful Tom Scott video. I will leave a link in the show notes, though. For those who do not know, an algorithm is just a series of steps to solve a specific problem. This comes up often in software, because computers are good at blithely following a series of steps to get to some result. But we humans can use them too. Some people learn of the scientific method and presume this algorithm is the only way to learn unknown things. This is a good method and highlights the importance of understanding how a single change impacts results, but there are other methods in other disciplines. Historians have a documentary method. Geologists have methods for learning the age of things. Astronomers have ways to date stars and planets based on the distance and brightness. These are just algorithms performed by humans. These methods say how to decide whether to use or reject historical documents, how to determine the age of a fossil or rock, and why there is a different approach for each, how to measure the distance to an object trillions of miles or kilometers away without being fooled by the many illusions the universe or our own tools put in our way. These algorithms are only as good as the information they have access to. If you give them garbage, you will get garbage. If you start with clean, reliable facts and pristine samples, the computers and experts following these steps will produce answers as accurate as anything else they do. These methods are all ways to draw conclusions from evidence. They help in preventing a researcher from bias towards a conclusion than cherry-picking evidence that only supports that one conclusion. This can be hard, even for experts. Some people say that if a method or algorithm doesn't always work, it should never be used. Some people expect some algorithm to be correct even with bad data. Some people will say anything to shoot down a conflicting viewpoint. No tool is useful in every situation. Using these methods correctly is like using any other tool. There is a time and a place for each. Many of the arguments against them are useless equivocations, claiming that a thing is broken if it isn't perfect. These are, of course, idiotic rebuttals. Why do people persist in believing that information can come from nothing, which is what would need to happen for an algorithm to produce good data from bad? Why do people decry anything they don't like? For at least some people, this is likely disevidentia. You wouldn't be listening 
if you weren't at least open to the idea that not all people can understand how to work with evidence. The real way to get to truth and knowledge is to do whatever it takes to not be fooled, even by your own goals and desires. This is why experts have so many different methods. They have worked out the methods that function in their domain of expertise. Then we have the raving hordes online. Recently, I have been arguing with Trump supporters. Many claim to have evidence the election was stolen from Trump, and none of them provide evidence when I ask for it. They ask for evidence it wasn't stolen, and I provide the 60 or more court cases where Trump's lawyers chose not to present evidence. I suggest we consider the countless audit logs and oversight from observers provided by both parties. I point out that even Republicans in charge of some contentious electoral districts say it was a clean election. They attack mainstream sources like CNN or MSNBC. Then I point out that I used alt-right sources and direct them to said sources, and they mysteriously stop responding. When they see Alex Jones switch narratives exactly when I said he would, or see that an alt-right stream prevents the same facts, minus some key piece, that allows their dishonest spin, most objectors are stopped completely. Those that aren't stopped either can't process evidence, because evidentia, or won't process evidence, liars. They started just presuming all they needed to do was attack my method. They presumed their method was mine, but mirrored. They took in one or two sources that agreed with them and moved on. I actually research the things I argue about, because being correct is a very strong stance to argue from. These are people so caught up in the act of shooting down sources, tracking finances to show bias, pointing political fingers, or otherwise scouring secondary effects or any imperfection that they miss that all of these methods are all about evidence. If I have a dozen sources that cross-corroborate, I already know the facts. That one of my sources is biased doesn't matter because I have already accounted for that. Questioning sources is good and should be done often, but bias doesn't mean a thing is inaccurate if the other sources agree by different means. And of course, don't trust a source that's biased and all by itself. First, get evidence. Verify the quality of evidence. Use evidence to make decisions, and be willing to change your mind when the evidence says you should. If you don't, you can and will make mistakes that might be more costly than looking foolish online. It could prevent you from becoming a supporter of a failed ideology. Uh, do you think you can do better than that? I can try. On to the discussion. The first topic we had was COVID vaccines causing deaths. You assembled five sources. Yeah. Uh, MediaMatters.org, Bloomberg, The Health Site, Deccan Herald. Uh, I guess that's a news site from India and USA Today. Yeah, this is a claim that I initially heard from somebody that I know personally, and I decided to look into it because the the claim was something that just immediately made me think that like there's no way that's true, and uh, at least like on the scale they were talking about, like because of course the like mandatory disclaimer, of course there are complications with vaccines and some people do die as a result of vaccines. Like there are allergic reactions and there's even going to be some allergic reactions to the COVID vaccine. That's just a normal part of vaccines and a allergic reaction that's severe enough can kill somebody and it can do it very quickly. If it happens very, very quickly, like while they're still around the medical health professional, doctors usually have EpiPens at the ready in order to suppress the allergic reaction. But if someone like if it 
happens at the the tail end of when this can happen like if the allergic reaction happens 30 minutes to an hour after the inoculation then there is a pretty good chance that the person who received the inoculation is going to go into that shock and and uh, potentially die while they're away from the medical health professional. And if they don't already have an EpiPen for some other pre-existing condition, then that is something that could be lethal. But these kinds of reactions are not widespread. And a lot of people that are making the claim that the COVID vaccine is causing deaths are trying to present it as if it, it is larger scale. And of course, there are some people that are on the fringe and we will get to Alex Jones in a second. And like Alex Jones is making much more audacious claims than that. But uh, when you're you're skirting the truth, that tends to be the the one thing that like there is an actual rational basis for it. But the details surrounding it being made by some of these people is still just wrong. You mentioned the timing of reactions. I've heard in a lot of official announcements that if you're likely to have an allergic reaction, you should go to a hospital. Is that why you should get your vaccination there and stick around for the hour or so in case there is a reaction, the doctors can help you? Uh, I don't know if I can say if that's like the only reason. It's almost certainly not, but it is certainly a reason because the the hospital is going to have absolutely everything necessary to resuscitate you if there's any kind of complication. That makes sense. I hadn't thought that there might be other reasons. You mentioned ludicrous claims. Is now a good time to dive into those? Because I've heard some of those somewhat directly we could definitely go into the ludicrous ones and then we can touch on the some of the more the more factual basis for the claims if that's the order we want to do this i think the ludicrous claims are pretty easy to discount outright he's claimed that hundreds of thousands have died on one of his live streams i heard him say that millions died in norway Uh, another live stream i heard him say that 5% 5% of people getting the vaccine are dying, and other such nonsense. Uh, the one that I thought was particularly amazing, <laughs> when I say amazing, it's audacious and just obviously ludicrous, is that Alex Jones tried to make the claim that the COVID-19 vaccine will cause sweeping miscarriages, that it alters the placenta in some way that forces a miscarriage to happen. Oh, God, I remember hearing that nonsense. It even came up on a the Sawbones podcast, that one. They thoroughly debunked it, and lots of other people have debunked it, including the sources we have in our show notes. Yeah. It's like It just doesn't do that. Sweeping vaccine drives have began in December of last year. And we are now three months into vaccinations, and there's no word or any data to support the claim that there are miscarriages as a result of COVID-19 vaccine whatsoever. Yeah. What are the actual like rate of incidents and the actual rate of problems that people have? That's still something that's a bit unknown, because we're still collecting a bunch of data for things. And one of the the best sources of data that we have at this moment this probably won't be true going forward but at this moment one of the best sources is uh, actually from norway which hilariously kind of touches on one of the claims that like you said alex jones saying that millions of people in norway no no not millions of people but there have been a number of cases norway specifically had 23 people, I believe. Yep, 23 elderly people died after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. And all of these people were over the age of 80. 
and these people exhibited symptoms that has been associated with complications due to vaccines, such as uh, diarrhea, nausea, and fever. But beyond that correlation, there has not been a causal link actually established between the deaths and these inoculations. These are people that were already compromised, that already had a number of pre-existing conditions, that were just old and frail to begin with, and these people could have died as a result of uh, the vaccine, or they could have died as a result of potentially, like if they had to be transported to get the vaccine, then they could have died as a result of the transport. They could have just died coincidentally. We don't really have that kind of information yet. That does also highlight a huge failing with just shouting about people dying. We're talking about people that are, you know, 80 or 90 years old, spontaneously dying. If there's going to be a group of people that are going to spontaneously die without any intervention, it's going to be old, old people. Yeah. So it's like, do we know the rates of these people dying otherwise? And did the vaccine change that? We might be able to tie some of these deaths directly back to this. But if we're not tracking the other, how do we know? And if these people die from the vaccine, wouldn't COVID have just killed them completely? Like, don't we have good COVID numbers showing that COVID is very fatal? Like, more than 10% or in some cases more than 40% fatal for people in these age groups. Yeah, it's, it's pretty deadly for people in these age groups. I suppose we'll have to get another uh, source to highlight how deadly it is. Sure. <sighs> Were there other details you wanted to cover on this? Because I know we've discussed a little bit on, on Norway and what's happened there, but there's a lot going on here. Well, the one other interesting story I did find, uh, and this is another one of those cases where like a, a direct causal link has not been established. Uh, that hasn't stopped people from rushing to conclusions, unfortunately. <laughs> but there was a doctor in Florida that received the vaccine and then after receiving the vaccine suffered from a low platelet count and they tried to do a whole lot of things to raise the platelet count back up and it just didn't work so he ended up suffering a stroke and dying but again uh, a direct link between the vaccine and the lowered platelet count has not been established it could have been we don't know and a week later that seems pretty unlikely to be the you know the thing that killed him but i was able to yeah. just while we were talking pull up some numbers on the amount of people that die uh the comparative rates of how many people die in what age groups so people in the 85 plus age group they are 80 times more likely to be hospitalized than people in the 5 to 17 year old age group from COVID, and they are 7,900 times more likely to die than people in the 5 to 17-year-old age group. That's pretty nuts. You get COVID, you're at fantastic risk. We don't know the death rate, yeah. but you're like 7,000 times more likely to die if you're 85 or older. Ugh. Was there anything else we wanted to discuss? Uh, that covers the sources that we had specifically curated for this topic. Um, I guess one other thing that might be relevant is just that most vaccines have serious reactions, something on the order of two to five per million. So, you know, five people out of a million might have some serious symptom, more than like swelling around their arm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
God, I hate it. So that'll take editing magic to clean up. No, I want to move on. Next topic, Shell has reached peak oil production, and we have three sources, CNN, Fortune, and HoustonPublicMedia.org. Uh, you found this one initially, Mako. Yep. The, the news is pretty much just that Shell themselves is saying that they have reached oil production, uh, peak oil production for themselves. They're not talking about the oil industry as a whole, although it wouldn't be surprising if the whole industry <laughs> is feeling something similar. But they are dialing back their production, and they want to try to become carbon neutral by 2050, and they're going to transition into more green energy going forward and uh, carbon offsets. So I am curious, and from our sources, I don't think we figured this out, but the carbon neutral claim seems at odds with another claim that Shell made. They said they want to be zero emission or carbon neutral by 2050, but they still expect to be producing a million barrels of oil per day in 2050, which is less than they're doing now. Yes. So are they just going to be technically carbon neutral by passing those emissions on to other people, or are they going to be capturing as much carbon as they pull out of the ground? Uh, carbon capture is almost certainly what they're referencing there, but yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's just public relations pieces from these companies. I mean, no matter how you slice it, less oil is probably a good thing. Yeah. We have better options now. And some of these numbers, right? A 55% reduction in diesel and gasoline in the decade? That's huge. I wish I knew how they got to those numbers, but seeing all these electric cars and just the amount of people that won't be going back to work from the pandemic, and I mean that in a good way, like people working from home and stuff, there is a lot of options there for cutting oil. One other thing that I thought was interesting from our sources was Shell, uh, BP, and Total SE. They're all investing in green energy, and they're all foreign. Like, they're all not from the United States. But ExxonMobil and Chevron are both sticking to oil, both don't have any serious green energy plans, and they're both American. <sighs> that is somehow the most American thing I have heard today. Clutch into that oil. Maybe we won't have to invade people for it soon. People will just give it to us because we're the poor Americans. We're like, oh, oh, they need their oil. Here you go. For a second, I thought you were going to insinuate that America is going to invade America for its oil. Nah, we let the weather invade Texas now. The North Pole can have our oil. That joke too morbid? Yeah, just, 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 just stop talking. <laughs> On to the next topic. Yeah. Okay. So this is probably our largest discussion piece. Rush Limbaugh has died. We have three sources confirming that. Not that it's all that controversial, but we have NBC News, KPEL 965, uh, a local news station to Louisiana, and USA Today confirming that. And we have four sources on his behavior, because he has a lot of behavior. CBS News, Huffington Post, Snopes, and The Washingtonian conclude for that. And we also have some more sources we'll get into later when we get into whether or not he smoked. What were your thoughts on this? Because you did a, a bunch of research on this one, Mako. Uh, I, I don't know if I can paraphrase all my thoughts. So Rush Limbaugh, I don't necessarily want to cheer for his death, but it is really difficult to argue in any way, shape or form that the world is not a better place with him gone. Oh, I totally agree. There's just so many behaviors, so much rhetoric, and so much vitriol that has come from Rush Limbaugh 
and has emboldened other people to embrace the same kind of rhetoric and make the country more divisive as a result of it. It's just, oh yeah, it's gross. Yeah, people keep trying to say, oh, what's the harm? He was just talking. Well, they forget all the terrible things he did. He mocked people who died of AIDS. That sucks, but it didn't kill anyone. But then he helped push climate change denial because, you know, conservatives and oil and all that. And he's pushing climate change denial, and we are still feeling the effects of that today. There are people today suffering in the Texas cold snap right now that don't have power or water or gas, partially because of policies instituted because people didn't believe climate change was real. I guess I'll just jump right into it. He didn't believe, he probably knew smoking caused cancer, but he said on his radio show that smoking didn't cause cancer. These lies are going to be hurting people for decades to come. Literally, millions of lives will be impacted by this before his, before the detritus of his disgusting lies and just horrible ideas are finally flushed from the human psyche. Islands will have flooded. If he didn't exist, there would have been less bigotry against gay people, against various people of color, against anybody who wasn't the stereotypical white Christian male, because he had so many bad things to say about so many people. Sorry, I just kind of ranted there for a moment. I should save that for the opening segment. You're fine. So you had some specifically horrible things you wanted to bring up. A few, yeah. Uh, There was one occasion where he accused a law student, Sandra Fluke, I hope I got that pronunciation correct, of being a prostitute. He did better than Rush. He called her Sarah Fluke for one of our sources. Anyway, he accused her of being a prostitute because she advocated for insurance to cover contraception. His really weird rationale was something along the lines of uh, the taxpayers are going to pay for her to have sex because you're getting the contraception so that you can have sex. And somehow this makes sense in the really, really twisted mind space of Rush Limbaugh. This event caused a boycott to occur against his show. A bunch of national uh, advertisers pulled from his show. And because of that, this is one of those rare moments where Rush Limbaugh actually issued an apology. And the apology was abysmal. He claimed that he used the wrong words and did not mean a personal attack saying nothing about the content or veracity of of his message overall. Oh yeah, I'm just going to call this person a prostitute, and somehow that's not a personal attack. Yeah. We also have some real specific sources on really specific things. I know it's all over social media and Twitter and everything, but he openly mocked people who were dying of AIDS. He had a segment on his show for a couple weeks where he would play music and celebrate it. It's not clear why. But knowing conservatives and the mental shortcuts that bigots often take, it's likely he did it because he thought or advocated that only gay people could get AIDS and then gay people are sinners or should be punished by God or otherwise not worthy of living. So if you connect all that, it's in his twisted mind space okay to mock people dying of AIDS because clearly they're bad people. But if you follow the evidence... Any human can get AIDS, and there's nothing wrong with being gay. It doesn't hurt anyone, doesn't do anything. It just This falls apart at every level. Uh, didn't he also have some fucked up ideas about consent? <laughs> so he did go on one rant at one point where he was 
yeah, pretty much railing against the concept of consent. The quote is, you can do anything. The left will promote and understand and tolerate anything as long as there is one element. Do you know what it is? Consent. If there is consent on both or all three or all four, however many involved in the sex act, it's perfectly fine, whatever it is. But if the left ever senses and smells that there is no consent in part of the equation, then here come the rape police. But consent is the magic key to the left. And it's amusing to me that, like, he actually made it through that entire... Aren't the rape police just the normal police? <laughs> yes, rape is illegal. Yeah, the rape police are just normal police. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you. Yes, but he made it through the entire, like, paragraph just saying all of that without realizing that, yeah, that's that's exactly how it works. That's how it's yeah always worked. That's how it should work if he's not big on consent what stops me from just hitting him in the head with a baseball bat oh you don't consent well i'm getting hard from this so it's a sex act so it's a sex act i'll just hit you in the head with a baseball bat doesn't matter if you consent. no no maybe we apply that same logic to other things because it can be equally traumatic to like be violated in horrible ways right and i go to the baseball bat because i don't think it's you know appropriate to do something truly analogous with a baseball bat to a dead guy. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I try to restate that another way? Yes. So I really have to wonder where he's coming from on consent here. Let's take a baseball bat. I could do a lot of things with that. Let's not get sexual with it, though. Let me just hit him over the head with a baseball bat. He wouldn't consent to that, would he? Nope. Yeah, maybe that's what consent is all about. If you agree to it, you don't think it's going to be so harmful, right? He wouldn't consent to that. I don't think he consent to the other things that people could imagine I could do to him with a baseball bat. Maybe we should just agree what we can and can't do to each other. Seems like a pretty sound basis for mutual respect and coexisting in a society. Something that Rush Limbaugh never did. The more I read, the more I find that last bit is exactly true. This person is deeply infuriating. At the beginning of this episode, I wanted to agree with you. That yeah, I wouldn't openly celebrate him being dead. By the end of this, I'm getting pretty close to just cheering that he's dead. (sighs) So the big irony of his death, smoking, right? The cause of death. Yeah, we had three extra sources, the New York Daily News, Snopes.com, and TwinCities.com, all confirming he was a smoker and denied repeatedly that smoking caused cancer. Yeah, he tried to make the claim that there's no proof that smoking causes cancer because some, if it does cause cancer, it's 50 years from now, and even then, people don't always get it. So he seems to be taking the approach of uh, like an all or nothing mentality. If one person doesn't get cancer, it's not because of some genetic quirk that enables them to ward off this particular cancer. No, it's just it's proof that everyone else got cancer from something else somehow, which is just false. Yeah, he completely misunderstands the concept of statistics. The idea that that there can be randomness is totally alien to the worldview he puts out. And considering how smoking causes cancer, right, you're taking toxins into your body and the toxins damage your, your lungs cells ability to reproduce. Sometimes they can recover from that. Sometimes they can't and form cancer cells, right? That's a statistical process. It might even be that somebody is predisposed to getting lung cancer, right? They might be in a, in a really shit place. And they might smoke, and they still might get lucky and not get lung cancer, just by happenstance. To take that into account, and to take the people like you mentioned into account who are resistant, ugh, he's willfully ignoring numbers and math. It's disgusting. 
And I don't think Rush Limbaugh has this evidential. I think he's making money from it. And I think a lot of his followers then became sufferers of this evidential for it because they see him as a source. Then they see groups like the World Health Organization who said that smoking definitely causes cancer. And here's the studies and here's the papers. Yeah. But his followers either wouldn't get into the studies and papers or didn't know how or didn't trust scientists for some reason, but they trusted Rush for some reason. Had confirmation by it. Rush told them what they wanted to hear. Uh, one source did really good. What was it? Uh, yeah, the Snopes source. It actually quotes Rush saying the World Health Organization said it's safe. And rampant. And then quotes the World Health Organization saying, no, it's definitely not safe. I don't think that kind of overt lying is actually protected by the First Amendment. There's some point where lying and getting people hurt crosses a line, and I know medical claims are somewhere on that <laughs> spectrum. I'm not sure, though. I have to look into it. Willful misrepresentation of oh my god, what other people are saying. So Rush done so much and said so much. Are we missing anything here? <laughs> Almost certainly we are. Uh, one thing that I think we definitely did not quite cover was also his uh, drug abuse. Oh, oh my. Uh... Yeah, he was a pill popper, wasn't he? Uh, pretty aggressively. Received about 2,000 painkillers prescribed by four doctors in six months. Okay, hang on. I'm going to pull up a calculator. Uh... Okay, I have a calculator. That's 2,000 painkillers in six months, you said? Okay, let's divide that by six. Oh, I have to actually put the division symbol in. So that's 333 pills a month. Uh, let's divide that by... 30 days in a typical month? Yes. Let's do 31 to be generous. That's 10 pills a day. 10 pills a day? Actually, that, that's that's about as many as Dr. House pops. Like, my first thought is, oh my god, is he trying to stockpile? Wouldn't that kill you? Yeah. Stuff like that. They'll they'll do a number on you. That's, that's dangerous levels of pain pills. Oh my god. Yeah. So the crazy, like, implausibility of the amount, the sheer volume of the painkillers aside, Rush had some shitty things to say about people who use drugs. He was on record during one of his shows that aired back in 1995 saying, and I quote, drug use, some might say, is destroying this country and we have laws against selling drugs, pushing drugs, using drugs, importing drugs. And so if people are violating the law by doing drugs, they ought to be accused and they ought to be convicted and they ought to be sent up. So it's very clearly taking a hardline stance against anyone who uses any kind of illegal substance in any kind of illegal way, except for himself. Uh, he did not try to turn himself in when he became an addict. He was actually investigated following in a tip from, I believe, one of his housekeepers. And that resulted in an investigation that lasted a few months and ended with a plea deal. His housekeeper turned him in? Uh... It submitted an anonymous tip, I believe. How's it anonymous if it's the house? It came out after the fact. No, that actually makes a ton of sense. So that tells me something about Rush that none of the rest of this did. I guess Rush Limbaugh was shitty to the help. Your housekeeper doesn't turn you in unless they don't like you. While I agree that is intuitive, I, I don't know if we have evidence of that one in particular. You're right. We don't have any direct evidence of that. So some of the other sources... They mentioned him going deaf back in uh, 2001. Some of the doctors said that that was because of his painful abuse, that deafness is a uh, side effect of, of ODing on these. Or not, not ODing, but of using too much of them. It certainly can be. Uh, 
all kinds of schadenfreude in here. Everything he yelled at other people about, he got, or he did, and then suffered medical side effects for it. Yeah. Like, I have to wonder, if this drug abuse wasn't criminal, would Rush Limbaugh have gone deaf? Uh, there's a good chance. Like, if he could just go to the police, or not, not to the police, but if he could go to some, some health center and request help with his pain addiction and have zero risk, and instead of people trying to criminally pursue him, because like I'm seeing here, he did have a plea deal and he did pay $30,000 to cover the investigation. If instead he had, you know, help and support from from society, might he have been able to get off the pain pills? And might he have saved his hearing? It's hard to say for any one given person what's going to work best. But looking at the data that we have uh, across all the different countries that have taken various stances on helping people get over drug addiction, whatever that means. uh, Yeah, the statistics are pretty clear that rehabilitation is more productive than criminalization. Did you have anything else you wanted to say on Rush Limbaugh's shitty life and shitty hypocrisy? Uh, Not particularly. Yeah. Let's drop this guy and move on. I hope we never have to talk about him again. Some of your grammar is just like fucked up grammar is the joke, but it's fucking with me. It's going to take a lot of cleanup and post. So this one comes from uh, our subreddit. Feel free to visit our subreddit if you want. Uh, Reddit.com slash r slash disevidentia. Or just search for Disevidentia in Reddit's very terrible search. Somebody suggested we start looking into alien astronauts. And as soon as I dug in, I saw a fractal of wrong thinking and terrible evaluation of evidence. And it was was just a mess at every level. Uh, Did you have any questions or did you have any thoughts before I started digging in? Uh, Well, questions like pretty much all of them. (laughs) Because <laughs> I haven't looked into this pretty much much at all. So okay. I am still largely in the dark about this. So when I hear the term alien astronauts, my, my first thought is, okay, isn't that kind of redundant? We're presuming aliens are coming from space. Wouldn't that automatically make them astronauts? Like, why that particular term? What does this mean? Okay, so that's probably me saying some of it wrong. Uh, ancient astronauts... Or ancient aliens get bundled together, and I did pick the least clear one. Ancient aliens is probably the most common way to say it. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I remember all the memes on Reddit from years and years ago talking about ancient aliens. Uh, and even when I was much, much younger, I was intrigued by the idea, and I did a little bit of my own reading on the topic. I'm familiar with the book Chariot of the Gods and the basic premise put forth by that book. Yeah, and... The one that we were specifically asked about was the Anunnaki. And the Anunnaki, they're centered, uh, this whole belief system is centered around ancient Sumeria. Uh, And for sources on this, we've got three of them. Anunnaki.org, AfricaIsWoke.com, and Ancient-Code.com. And all three of these are making claims that are mutually and self-contradictory. And none of them are seeming to be profiting by it. So I'm inclined to believe that these different sources legitimately believe these things. The general claims here are that the ancient Sumerians were slaves, or were genetically engineered, or were instructed by aliens, and often for different purposes or different reasons. Sometimes they were instructed to build pyramids, 
to facilitate alien spaceships landing. Sometimes uh, the different purveyors of these myths are claiming they were slaves to harvest gold. And none of these make sense on any level for a bunch of reasons. Okay, so I have to ask. This is like mandatory because I recently went through a whole lot of Stargate. You're talking about constructing pyramids and areas for aliens to land. Like, how much of their inspiration is coming from Stargate here? Or like, what? <laughs> There's clearly a connection. Oh, come on. What's the connection here? What year did the movie Stargate? What year did the movie Stargate come out? Uh, 1994. Okay, so there's a chance that some of the new stuff is newer than that. But the two people who are at the centerpiece of this, and I have some sane sources. Wikipedia has two of them, the Michael Cremo page and the the Zechariah Sitchin page. And then History.com has a section all about ancient Middle East and Sumeria. We can see that Cremo and Sitchin both have books that predate 1994. And these two people are not well. They both have dubious religious backgrounds. Uh, Both of them are in groups that I would consider a cult. Both of them have written books that are... They belong in the fantasy section. And they make claims that there were aliens often coming from some mysterious planet X, this 10th planet in the solar system, that generally has some really long orbit, and it gets caught up in all these doomsday prophecies. And these two claim that these Nibirans, because Nibiru is a name for this planet X, they claim that these people came off this planet, landed in ancient Sumeria, invented humanity, sometimes a million years ago they genetically engineered us from apes, sometimes three, four thousand years ago lining up with the real histories, and they had us do their bidding, or tried to uplift us. It was either a gift or we were slaves, depending on who's talking, or sometimes depending on the year the book came out. It seems like the authors flip-flop on their stories constantly. They can't stick to a single one. But uh, all, all the basics are these aliens came from Planet X, came from Nibiru, landed in ancient Sumeria, made the ancient Sumerians build pyramids and build structures, and then left. And somehow there's no physical evidence whatsoever of the aliens ever having been here, but there are uh, pictographs. Right, The ancient Sumerians, like the ancient Egyptians, put pictures in stone, get some clay tablets, carve them up, fire them in the last 1,000 years, and then historians find it later. So whenever one of these people interprets, in Cremo, Sitchin, or one of their followers, interprets these tablets, instead of seeing, oh, look, a tiny person and a big person, that clearly can't be an attempt at perspective. Clearly one of these people is an alien, or sometimes there'll be a halo. These halos and these pictographs are often used to depict the leader, the ruler, a crown, a light, or a good idea, right? They didn't have light bulbs, so they put halos around people's heads. <laughs> and people often say, this is a helmet used for being an astronaut. Well, that's an uh, interesting claim. Helmets for astronauts, from our own perspective, tend to be sealed. And last I checked, halos are not sealed. Ah, perspective. I'll make sure to include an image in the show notes. These halos are drawn as circles around the entire head. So if you could imagine one of those fishable-looking uh-huh. helmets from the 1950s-era cartoons or from Fallout, that's what these people are claiming them to be, a glass dome encircling the head. Gotcha. So just at every level, that's what I mean when I say this is a fractal of bad thinking. Right? We can peel this mm-hmm. back at any level, and it makes no sense. Right? There's no Nibiru. We've been looking. We've found a ton of objects out in 
the Kuiper Belt. That's that body of icy objects past Neptune, right? And we found a ton of little objects out there, but nothing even close to supporting what these Anunnaki would need. We have no physical evidence that the Anunnaki were here. We have no motive for the Anunnaki to be. Because if you start teasing at any of these motives, they came to a planet to make slaves? Wait, you're going to tell me you have interplanetary travel but not robots? Well, you're going to come here and (laughs) genetically engineer slaves for no reason? Sorry, you were saying? One thing that does come to mind is, like, why does a 10th planet in our solar system, why is that a mandatory element for all of this? Because, like, most classic sci-fi they're they're fine with saying oh yeah it's aliens that come in from another solar system altogether and if it's just this one planet that has a really really long uh, cycle that going around the sun then okay well presumably that's important because they're not interstellar they're only interplanetary and so that kind of puts a limit on the technology that they could have but then like if that's the limit of their technology then the question also remains like if they are primarily habiting this planet with a super long orbital how are they surviving when they go well beyond the orbit of pluto at that tech level (laughs) so you're thinking about i just you're thinking about the evidence and the ramifications of this they haven't yeah i don't know why these beliefs always include this i have some guesses i suspect it's because this isn't a purely fantastical or mythological belief this is a pseudo-scientific belief so these people couch a lot of their belief in science and there's groups of them that are constantly paying attention to what nasa says some of these groups eat up everything nasa says and try to pour through it to find the next planet x and the next planet x candidate and some of them go through everything NASA produces to try to debunk it, claiming NASA is constantly lying. And these two different groups both think that they're being accurate and scientific, and they're not. Right? One of them is trying to prove something regardless of the evidence. The other one's trying to disprove everything regardless of the evidence, which is backwards. Mm-hmm. I think they just don't want to have their initial predictions proven wrong because some of these beliefs do stem from little bits of evidence they have some of those pictographs do have things that look vaguely like ufos in them right it could have been a holy symbol could have been a political symbol could have been a decoration sitting on a table right but the thing looks somewhat circular somewhat football shaped somewhat cigar shaped depending on the pictograph you choose look at these things and say oh they had a spaceship and then people have built explanation on, on top of that scant evidence and then on top of other little bits of things that are that are non-evidence, but they've interpreted it as evidence to try to build up this narrative that, yeah, the aliens came and then did this. So if the aliens came and, and they already know that they came to the solar system, well, these beliefs started up just as we were starting to understand that life wasn't sustainable anywhere else. Sorry, life wasn't sustainable anywhere else in our solar system. So they just needed another planet. And I guess there's enough scientific literacy in these groups to know that faster than light travel or travel between stars is a different level of technology you know i honestly wouldn't let that stop me if i were making ridiculous beliefs yeah you know, we could build a ship that could get we could build a ship that could get to the next star over in sooner than three thousand years i think mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that's accurate yeah i mean it would be expensive as hell but we could do it yeah i'm thinking back to like project orion those things with like the little nuclear pellets yeah. that were detonating behind the ship to push it right 
we could build something like that that would get us there in you know a couple thousand years or something. Ugh. Yeah, there's so much there. We didn't want to stick with this and go fully into it because it just every level can be peeled back and you can find horrible, ridiculous mistakes. Like, why would they come to Earth for gold? There are plenty of rocks just floating out the asteroid belt that are just made of gold. Just take one of those. You don't need slaves for it either. Yeah. And why would they need pyramids? What are they even using the gold for? Oh, gold? Valuable. I don't know. It's rare. It can be used as a unit of currency. I don't know. Maybe they just like jewelry. We've decided that. But, like, is that a fair assumption for some other group of people? I think it's a fair assumption for anyone bound to a single planet with a rocky crust. That some shiny, stable metal will get used as a unit of exchange. I don't know. Even that, maybe it's not a great assumption, because... We've had other things as money in the past. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to make an honorable mention to bottle caps. Oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, you can turn in hundreds of bottle caps or thousands of bottle caps and get your Fallout 76 tote bag. That's so, yep. that's so sad we can't even laugh at it. I was all over the place on that, railing against because it's so wrong. Were there any specific points that you wanted mm-hmm. me to address before we uh, moved on? Uh, well... The ones that I already raised, uh, as far as further curiosities, uh, nothing that I think needs to be answered right now. Something that we can cover, address in the deep dive later. Yeah, I would like to have a deep dive episode on this because we really just touched on it. And both these people, Cremo and Sitchin, both have multiple books. And there are a lot of preposterous claims that they make. Yeah, we didn't touch at all on Planet Xena, did we? Nope. I guess we'll have to save that for the deep dive. That's fairly short on that. We didn't use any of the pre-can jokes. Damn. Okay, I don't know if you cared, but I agree. It doesn't actually matter. Thanks to our supporters, including NiceHash. See the link in the show notes to start mining cryptocurrencies on your computer today. Also, thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Jared. Oh god, I can't. <laughs> Why do you do this to me? Thank you for listening to the Disevidential Podcast. Copyright 2020, Blacktop Studios Incorporated. Intro music was Slow by Pitex, used with permission.